Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from I Could Never Believe in a God Who, our series in which we examine and respond to serious objections to Christianity. Here is Pastor Nick. I'd love it if you'd turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. So the Gospel of John is the fourth Gospel. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospel of John, and the very first chapter. And let's begin our study by reading the text, which comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'll begin in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him he, and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's hand. He has made him known. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and thank you for the profound meaning of this text. I pray that as we consider it, as we study, Lord, and consider uh, these things today, Lord, would you help us to understand? Would you enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we might see you and see glorious things about you from your word? Lord, would you use this time to build up our faith, Lord, to equip us for your work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're currently in a series here at Whitefields. We're getting to the end of this series. We're going to be starting a new series soon. We'll announce that to you, what that is. We're all prepared for it. We're excited about it. Uh, That'll begin in a few weeks. But today, we're still in our current series, which is called I Could Never Believe in a God Who. And over the course of the last seven weeks now, uh, what we have done is we've, we've taken an honest look at some of the things that people say are their biggest objections to Christianity, the things which people say, you know, what makes it the hardest for me to really embrace Christianity and really believe the gospel is this. And so what we did is we actually put out a poll online where we invited people to answer this question. How would you finish this sentence? I could never believe in a God who... And, and we believe that the way that people finish that sentence kind of reveals a lot of the things which, are, which create the biggest hurdles for them in believing the gospel and embracing Jesus. And so what we did is we took those responses that came in through that poll as well as we looked at a lot of other research on this topic and we narrowed it down to originally seven, but now we're extending it a little bit more than that. These topics that that really people say, this is really my hang up when it comes to Christianity. This is the thing that causes me to pause. This is the thing that caused me hesitation. And we, we saw that this is true, not just for people who aren't Christians and say, this is the thing which is causing me to say, I can't be a Christian, but also for people who are Christians. 
and who say, you know what, I am a believer, I want to believe, but this is the one thing that I'm still struggling to understand. And so what we're hoping to do over the course of these eight, maybe even nine weeks, is what we're hoping to do is say, okay, well, let's take an honest look at those things and let's give you some answers for a couple reasons. Number one, one of our goals with this is we want to help you move from doubt and unbelief to faith and belief because we believe that it very much matters what you believe. In fact, life and death, the way that you live and all of eternity hinges on what you believe. So what you believe matters and we want to help you move from doubt and unbelief to faith and belief and hopefully remove some of those things which have been barriers for you in the past. The other thing we hope to do with this series is to equip you because we know that you have friends and co-workers and people that you talk to week in and week out family members who are asking these very questions that we're talking about and so what we want to do is give you some information give you some some scriptures give you some help so that you are equipped to talk to them and talk to them well and hopefully help them move from uh, doubt and unbelief to faith and belief when it comes to Christianity and the Bible One of the biggest struggles that people have, some people have, is they say this, I could never believe in a God who has not proven his existence. I could never believe in a God who has not proven his existence. So in the poll that we took, this was one of the responses that we got from several people. How can I know that God really exists? It's hard to believe in a God I can't see, I can't hear. If God would just reveal himself to me, then I would believe. And some people go, go a little bit further, and here's what they say. They say, you know what? I know the Bible says that God exists, but that's not enough for me. I don't want to just know that the Bible says God exists, because you know what? The Bible was written by people a long time ago, and people in like a pre-modern world where they didn't have the kind of knowledge about science and the world and how the world works like we do today. So for them, the world was mysterious, and so they didn't understand how things worked, and so the only explanation they could come up with was to say, well, there must be some invisible God out there who controls everything and makes things happen, but now we We have science, and we can explain a lot of things in in the world and why things happen the way they do. So we've kind of moved on. We've outgrown the need to believe in God. Another person might say this, look, if there is a God, why doesn't he just come out and make himself known? If he wants us to believe in him, really easy. Why doesn't he just make himself known to us? Like if God would show up or speak to us or do something so that we know he's there, then, then I would believe. Other people say, you know what, that wouldn't do it for me. I'm not looking for some kind of subjective experience that's too willy-nilly, right? Like anybody can say that they had an encounter with God. What I want is hard facts. I want undeniable scientific proof that God exists. You know, a lot of of time when it comes to Christianity, what a lot of people think is that Christianity is unscientific or or not even just unscientific that it's anti-scientific and Christians really just kind of believe what they've been told to believe or what they've been brainwashed to believe and and if anybody starts talking about science right we plug our ears and close our eyes and say no we don't want to hear it don't talk to us about that and I'm here to tell you that, that that's just simply not true in fact the opposite is true that there is indeed evidence for the existence of God. We're going to talk about some of that today. And there are a lot of very intelligent people who have looked at the evidence and given it a hard look, and they've come to the conclusion that they not only believe that there's a God, but they have gone further than that and put their faith in Jesus Christ specifically and put their faith in the Bible. 
Christianity, by the way, is very pro-science. I want you to know that. Christianity is very pro-science. In fact, we have several scientists here in our church, even. And so the, the Bible encourages us to study the natural world. Why? Here, the Bible actually tells us this, that by studying the natural world, we can actually know more about God by studying the world that he has made. Professor Alvin Plantinga, he says this about Christianity and science. He says this, modern science developed out of Christian theology, because Christian theology presented a world with a distinct form, complexity, and design. Christianity challenges us to experiment with what we see, believing there is order and uniformity to the universe. Albert Einstein famously said this, the more I study science, the more I believe in God. Now, Albert Einstein was not a Christian. I'll be clear about that. But he did believe in God. He was a deist, and he attributed his belief in God to the study of science. Consider this statement from Joseph H. Taylor Jr., by the way, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1993. He's also a devout Christian. He said this, A scientific discovery is also a religious discovery. There is no conflict between science and religion. Our knowledge of God is made larger with every discovery we make about the world. Now that's interesting because there is, again, this widely held assumption by some people, uh, which is called the secularization hypothesis. So it's called the secularization hypothesis. And what it, what it basically says this, it assumes that as the world becomes more scientific, as the world becomes uh, increases in knowledge, that religious belief will decline because we'll essentially outgrow the need to believe in God. The problem is, if you look at the data, that is not what is happening. In fact, the opposite is happening. If you check out all the recent studies, I found this very interesting. I just saw a study that came out this week, recent, 2019. And what it shows is that consistently, atheism is actually on the decline, not only in the United States, but worldwide, especially worldwide. It's declining, and religious belief is actually increasing around the world. And it's not just atheism that's in decline, but also agnosticism, which, by the way, if you're not sure, agnosticism is when you say, there might be a God, but we can't really know. And so you say, well, I just choose to say, I don't know. Uh, agnosticism, right, is also on the decline. And the projections, as they look at the data uh, from sociologists, projections show that these trends are only going to continue. And so here's some numbers. Currently, 16% of the world's population classifies themselves as atheist, agnostic, or non-religious. So 16% currently. That's actually down from 30 years ago. And if current trends continue, then by 2050, that number will decline even more to 13%. So contrary to what people expected would happen, what we're seeing happening is this. As our world is now more educated than it has ever been in the past, people are not putting away religious beliefs and faith in God. Rather, just the opposite is happening. As education is increasing, further education has led to further belief, more belief in God. Consider this also. Of all the educated people in the world who believe in God, the vast majority are Christians. And check this out. Amongst Christians, highly educated Christians tend to attend church more regularly than less educated Christians. 
Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God and the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. Pastor Nick has written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. In this book, Pastor Nick deals directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, whether God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women and minorities. Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love are wrong? And is there any actual proof that God exists or that the Bible is trustworthy? Pastor Nick addresses these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or has concerns about these topics. And it is a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Christianity, wherever books are sold or visit nickkady.org. To celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as our gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support Beset Free Radio at besetfreeradio.com. And now, back to today's message. Now, that's not a slight against less educated Christians at all. It's only to say this. This assumption that people uh, have that Christianity and belief in the Bible is only for weak-minded, uneducated people who just don't know any better, that assumption is absolutely false. The gospel is, on the one hand, so incredibly simple that even a child can understand it. But the person of God, the works of God that we can study, that we can investigate. There is not a lifetime, an entire lifetime of study is not enough to plumb the depths of God's work and who he is and, and what the Bible has to say. Uh, and all of that stands up to stringent investigation. You know, there are people who for the last 2,000 years have taken a hard and honest look at the evidence for God. And especially in this modern age where knowledge has increased and people are coming down on the side of faith, not just faith in God in general, but specifically faith in Jesus and the Bible. And there are three things that I want to bring to your attention on this topic of can we really know if God exists? And here's what they are. Number one, the limitations of science. So the limitations of science. Then we'll talk about the fingerprints of God. And finally, we'll talk about the word became flesh. So the limitations of science, the fingerprints of God, and the word became flesh. Consider this quote from Alan Sandage, who is an acclaimed cosmologist. He said this, It is my science which has led me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. See, the reason for this is because science is all about studying and observing the natural world. But see, the, the thing is there are many things which go beyond the realm of what science can observe and measure. For example, science cannot really speak at all, really, to the question of whether or not God exists because that is not a scientific question. That is what we call a metaphysical question. The word meta in Greek means beyond. Of course, physical means physical, so it means beyond the physical realm. Those things which are beyond what we have the capacity to measure and observe scientifically. So whereas science can measure the things in the world, science cannot tell us where those things originated from. And, and when anyone starts theorizing about where things have originated from, they have moved beyond the limits of science into the realm of metaphysics, into the realm of faith. And I just want to tell you this, everybody does it. Everybody does it. So for example, to say that the universe has always existed, this is one thing that 
that is a theory. The universe has just always existed. Nothing created, it's just always been there. Again, that's not science. That is a metaphysical belief, which is a matter of faith, not a matter of science. Furthermore, science has actually shown that there was a point in history when the universe came into being. Before that, it didn't exist, and after that, it began to exist. And the question is this, what caused that to happen? Where did the elements that were needed for that to happen, where did they come from? One of the answers to this is what's called naturalism. Naturalism, which means that everything that exists had a natural cause, that there was no intervention from any outside force. It's all natural causes. And basically, it could be summarized like this. There was nothing, and then nothing created itself into something, right? Or nothing blew up and that created everything. Again, that goes against the fundamental tenets of science. And so naturalism, again, goes beyond the limits of science and falls squarely into the realm of faith. And here's all I want to say with this is this. Everybody has a belief system. Everybody in the world exercises faith when it comes to these metaphysical questions. Atheism is a belief system. It's not something that can be proved scientifically. Agnosticism is a belief system. Christianity is a belief system. Naturalism is a belief system. And so because there are limitations on what science can measure and observe, for all of us, there's a gap of knowledge. There's a gap of knowledge. And any step you take to bridge those gaps of things which are outside the realm of what can be measured by science, that is a step of faith. And this is my point. Everybody exercises faith. Everybody has a belief system. If you believe that there is no God, that is, again, not something you can prove empirically. That requires faith. If you're an agnostic and you say, we can't actually know anything conclusively about God, so we can't make any determinations. Again, that's not scientific. That is the realm of metaphysics and the realm of faith. And my point is this, everyone exercises faith. Everyone has a belief system. And the reason that's important to acknowledge is this, it puts everybody on an equal footing. Everybody's on an equal footing. So acknowledging that everybody has a belief system, everybody exercises faith, what that does is it opens up the conversation. Now we can begin to talk because we can say, okay, look, it's not faith versus science or faith versus reason. Rather, what we're talking about are different belief systems. So let's consider the basic tenets of these belief systems and let's look at the evidence there is for what they claim so that we can make an informed decision. Here's the question that I want to pose to you and I want you to think about this as we go today and as you leave here today. And that's this. What if it takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God? I believe that's true. I believe it actually takes, and we're going to talk about why, I believe it takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God. I believe if you look at the evidence that's out there that points to God, and beyond that specifically to the evidence that points to the God of the Bible and the person of Jesus, I believe that you'll come to the conclusion that it actually takes more faith to not believe in him than it does to believe in him. Again, everybody has a belief system. Everybody is exercising faith in their belief system because there are gaps of knowledge. What if it takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God? Let's go on to our next point, which is this. The fingerprints of God. 
So Alvin Plantinga, he's a philosopher. He studied at Yale. He, uh, he worked at Duke University, and he was a tenured professor of philosophy at the University of Notre Dame. And throughout his life, he has done extensive work compiling rational and scientific arguments for the existence of God. And what Alvin Plantinga says is that there are about 30 strong arguments for the existence of God. About 30. Now, we're not going to have time to look at all of those, but they're readily available online. Check it out, Alvin Plantinga and his uh, reasons for the existence of God. Now, here's what I'll say about those. None of those 30 reasons is like a, a perfect slam dunk that, that's, you know, watertight that nobody can question. But taken together, these 30 things, when all considered together, they form a very strong case for believing in the existence of God. Now, you might ask the question, wait a second, so why didn't God just give us one thing that we could point to and say, okay, this is a slam dunk, no question, this proves that God exists? Well, I believe there's a reason for that, and we're going to talk about that as we go on today in just a minute. But Alvin Plantinga, again, he says there are these about 30 rational and scientific arguments for the existence of God, and they form a case together which is so strong that it's actually more difficult to not believe in God than it is to believe in God. So let's just take a look at really just uh, a couple. We're going to look at, at three. Number one, we're going to look at the evidence from cosmology. Evidence from cosmology in the study of the universe. Francis Collins is an award-winning scientist. He is currently the director of the National Institute of Health. And prior to that, he was the director of what's called the Human Genome Project, which was a study done in our lifetime in which they actually mapped the human genome. And Francis Collins, he started out his life as an atheist, but the more he studied science, and specifically the more he studied genetics, he became convinced that there must be something behind this. And that journey led him to Christ, and he became a Christian. He also wrote a very famous book called The Language of God, which is about the genetic code. And so here's what Francis Collins has to say about the universe and cosmology. He says this, When you look from the perspective of a scientist at the universe, there are 15 constants, such as gravity, the speed of light, the mass of an electron, that have precise values. If any of those constants was off by even one part in a million, or in some cases by one part in a million million, the universe could not have come to the point where we see it. There would have been no galaxy, stars, planets, or people. In other words, there's this incredible fine-tuning to our universe and it couldn't have happened by accident, right? If it were off by just a little bit, nothing could exist. So what are the chances? Maybe you say, okay, well, what are the chances of all of those things aligning perfectly to create the perfect conditions for life? Well, those numbers were run by, or attempted to be run by a man named Donald Page. He's part of the University of Princeton's uh, Institute for Advanced Science. And here's what he says. The chances of this exact fine-tuning coming about is 1 in 10 billion to the 124th power. 1 in 10 billion to the 124th power. That's like a ridiculous number that I can't even imagine. Again, to believe that this happened by random chance takes a lot of faith, right? Like a lot of faith. And that's why I asked the question, what if it actually takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God? So how do we explain the fine-tuning 
of the universe apart from belief in God. Well, attempts have been made. So for, I've mentioned this name a couple times during this series, Manny Richard Dawkins, right? He's an he's a, uh, evangelical atheist, which means that not only is he an atheist, but he wants you to be an atheist, right? And so he writes books about it. Well, Richard Dawkins, he says, well, how do we explain the fine-tuning of the universe? Well, he says, here's how I explain it. He calls it the multiverse theory. Multiverse theory, which means that he believes there are trillions of parallel universes that exist. And in each of those parallel universes, one of the possible, the many possible scenarios which exists that could have happened has happened in one of those parallel universes. And we just happened to score the jackpot, right? We just got really lucky. And we happened to be in the universe where everything worked out perfectly. Now, again, I just want to point out, Parallel universes, right? Like that's where we're at. That's how we're trying to explain it without God. That is going far beyond the realm of science. There is zero evidence for this that can be observed or measured. This is not science, guys. This is faith. This is metaphysics. And again, I'm going to ask the question, what if it takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God? I believe that's the case. Let's look at another one, which is the evidence from morality. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, Visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com.